Oh, church, we're so blessed. Come on. Can you say thank you to our worship team, please? Oh, my goodness. To lead us in such a beautiful way, man. Come on. I'm super pumped for tonight. I'm so thankful for our time of seek and just really crying out to the Lord and let his will be done in this region. And I'm excited for it, man. Come on. Man, will you turn to me, please, to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be in Philippians for a few weeks and a few more weeks and just kind of going through this as, as we can. It's such a, 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 it's a great book. It's a deep book. And today we find ourselves, again, coming off of last week, you know, surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Like, like we dug into that. We dug into Paul's resume um, BC, before Christ, and then Paul's resume AD, like after Christ, AC, after Christ. Like when you realize who, 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 who Saul was and then who Paul was, uh, the, the, huge, the huge difference of, of the life he lived, and then there's Jesus, and then the life that he lived after Jesus. This is where we need to be. We are no different. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ and you have repented from your sin and you've turned away from your sin and you recognize Jesus is the only answer, that Jesus, I confess that you are Lord and, and you know what it is to be born again only by the work of the cross as we just had communion. Like every single person that's born again had a life that was before Jesus we get saved and born again, and then the Spirit of God dwells within us, and then now our life after Jesus. Like, there, there is this difference, and, and here's where Paul is, and I, I love where he's at in just a couple verses. We're going to cover a few verses, turn to a couple places, but I want you to see this, because this is kind of like Paul's, like, he's in the middle of this letter, and this is like his kind of his like pregame to kind of the end. And, and this is Paul's push. This is where Paul is, is driving the church in Philippi. He's driving it from, from, from prison. He's in prison. He's writing this. He loves this church. It's his favorite church. This is the mature church. They love the Lord. They love Paul. They support Paul. They encourage Paul. Paul encourages them. This is that letter. And, and now we, we come to this place in Philippians 3. Where, where Paul goes into this who, who, who I was and, and where I'm going now which every single believer has that story. Every single believer has that story. And, and, and Paul is like, if you're a coach, like you do like the pregame speech, right? Like you get your team juiced. We've got coaches in this house and, and you do like your pregame. You're like, ah, this is what's going to happen. Man, we're going out there and we're going to smoke them or we're going to, this is what we're going to do. And now I get juiced up and your whole team is like, woo, like high fives. And then halftime, it didn't go as well. So you got to up your game at the halftime speech, whether it's correction, whether it's doing this, seeing what the other team has. And you come in at your halftime and you're giving this other speech. It's just like, ah, all right, didn't go great in the first half, but this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go out there and fight. We're going to go out there and take charge. We're going to go out there and have the half that we're supposed to have. And we're going to come out on this thing with victory. Like that's coaching, man. And, and I believe this is like, I, I look at this and I'm like, this is Paul giving pregame. This is Paul giving this speech and, and, he, and he's getting this church just kind of jacked up and ready. And, and, and what it is to, to be driven by this. And I love this because he says this, I want to get into this Philippians 3. God, speak to us that we may hear from you today. I thank you for worship. I thank you for our time of communion. Jesus, you are our everything. Jesus, you're our everything. Jesus, thank you. I pray that you would 
Speak to us by your word today. Speak to us. Put this into our spirits today. It's what you would speak to us now from your living word. In your mighty name. Come on, amen. Come on, watch this. Philippians 3. I want to back up to where we were last week. Verse 10, it says this that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. This is Paul saying, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship. That I want to partner with him in suffering. And I want to be conformed. I want to take the form of his death. Like this is, this is Paul saying, and get this, please write this down. This is the big idea of what it is to be Christ-like. What it is to be like Christ. Church, this is our... Uh, as, as when you became born again, this is your forever endeavor to be more like him. This should be our daily, man. This should be on the every day. This should be, I want to know him, man. I, I want to be more like him. I want to be Christ-like. And, and you got to know what Paul's talking about in verse 10 before you get into 11, 12, and 13, right? You, you, you got to see this, man. Paul's like, no, man, I want to know him. I want to continue to dive in the knowledge. We covered that last week. Man, I want to know the power of his resurrection, that force of his resurrection. Man, I, I, I want to, and you go through this, I want to know what it is to be like Christ. This should be our, our drive. This, this should compel us to want to be like Christ. And this is where Paul is. Paul's communicating this to the church. And then he says this, I love this. In order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He's speaking of eternal life. That I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained it. What is the it? This is, this is the, 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 the whole piece to 12, 13, and 14. Not that I've already obtained it. It's that Christ-likeness. He's like, he's like, man, I, I, I want to be like Christ. I, I want to, and listen, this is, ah, this is Paul. Like Paul, been there, done that. Paul gives us half the writings of the New Testament. Paul, like, ah, he's a big deal, right? Paul's a big deal. He's a big wig in scripture, right? Like, like this is Paul going, I'm working on it. Everybody say working on it. Oh, that was not like the sleepy 9 a.m. Had a lot more juice. Come on, 11 a.m. Working on it. That's my people. That's my people. Come on. Man, if you're online right now or you're in your car, if you're driving your car, you're listening on the radio, I want you to yell, working on it. So, so come on. Here we go. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Paul's like, man, I have not already obtained it because what? I'm working on it. That's my peeps. Come on. I'm working on it. Or have, oh, I love you. You just let me preach. There we go. Woo! Get me jacked up. Come on. Have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold. Highlight press on. Highlight lay hold. Two aggressive words, man. I may press on so that I may lay hold of it. Now also lay hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Yet. Well, I have not yet laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind I reach forward to that what lies ahead. I press on. Second time, press on. He says, press on twice. He says, lay hold of twice. Right? I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Watch this again. Get this. Not that I have already obtained it. Why? Because I'm what? Oh, we all work in progress, baby. Working on it. 
um, or already been become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which I laid hold of by Christ. Brother, I do not regard myself as hanging load hold of it yet, lay hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, let's get this, man. Let's unpack these verses. So a way of, of this is Paul, and he's driving into this thing going, listen, 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 what is it? to be Christ-like? What is it to be more like Christ in, in, in Christ-likeness? Like we as a church, again, you had, your, you had your before Jesus life, and then Jesus, my eyes have been opened. I've come to the truth of the gospel. I've heard the gospel, responded to the gospel. I've come to this place to realize I'm a sinner. I, I deserve death. I don't deserve God's grace, but that's how amazing his grace is. And it's by his grace that I truly have trusted and walked my faith, and I belong to him. Because of the work of the cross, I am truly born again and I'm saved. And I get that. And then there's that moment. There's that time that you get that. And then there's your life after that. And, and this is where Paul is. He's like, man, that life after my understanding that my eyes have been opened to the truth, that I have been taken out of darkness and I've been transferred into the kingdom of light. Like, I get this. I know that I'm saved. Then, then it's this constant working on what it is to be Christ-like. Three huge areas of being Christ-like. Number one, it means to surrender to God. A just a continuously working on surrender to God. What it really is to surrender. God, I surrender to you. Number two is this, to recognize what it is to be free from sin. What it is to truly be free from sin. Church, we have got to be people who call sin, sin. We've got to be people who understand God's holiness. We've got to be people who understand that this is God's word. Right? And we've got to be a people that are not okay with sin. It's never okay to be okay with sin. We are people who should be calling out sin. Like these are our people in our own lives. I can't be okay with sin. It don't mean we walk perfect because we're working on it. But when we do sin, we repent, we turn. He, he accepts our forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It's an amazing relationship. Why? Because we're in relationship with the Father. So when we understand, number one, if I'm working on what it means to be Christ-like, I daily surrender, and then I understand what it is that I am free from sin. And in today's day and age, you can't play games with, with sin. We've got to call sin, sin in this day. And then the third thing is just to truly, continuously mature and grow in him, hungry for his word, day in and day out, hungry for his word, getting into a devotional, getting into his word, allowing his word to feed your spirit. Like when you do those things on the regular and on the daily, you realize, no, this is, I'm growing, I'm maturing, I'm hating sin, I'm recognizing the disaster of sin. I know what it is to surrender everything I think, everything I say, everything I do, I'm all in, man. I surrender to him. What happens if you do that on the day, you're becoming more like Christ. And then you see love flow, and then you see compassion, and then you see grace, and then you see a boldness, and one who is ferocious. Jesus was ferocious. Jesus was aggressive towards sin. Jesus understood what it was to turn tables. Jesus understood what it was in the abuse of the church. Jesus, like there's so much that Jesus knew, and you see uh, ferocious Jesus like a lion come undone to the hypocrites, to the religious teachers, to the false teachers. Like Jesus was bold. Like what is it to be like Jesus? There's a courage that comes. And this is, this is where Paul is. This is just saying, listen, I haven't 
got there yet, but I'm, I, I, Paul's like, I am working on it. And, and he says, I, I, I'm pressing on. And, and, and when you go deep into this word, pressing on, it's a very aggressive Greek word. It, it, it's aggressive to the sense of it's like a chase. I'm chasing down. It's like when you see the police and they're in a high-speed chase, that's, that's this picture of this aggressive high-speed chase where I'm chasing down a bad guy. Like literally, whether it's in a car or on foot, where you're, you're, you're giving pursuit. There is the depth of this, if we have many hunters in this church, it is the hunter who is hunting his, his or her prey. Right? It's that hunter that's pressing in and going after and chasing down the deer that they shot. Listen, I've heard great reports this year. Great reports. Man, I, shot, I got my eight point. Oh, there is this beast. I'm going after this beast. I'm chasing that. Oh, and I've also heard the, how are you guys doing? We got well, what, what does that mean? Did you get a shot off? Like they don't, they're speaking in tongues. I don't know what they're doing, but it's just like, like is that, that must be a no. That must mean that you're, 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 you're not actually, um, you didn't shoot anything, right? Like, you know, well, the season's not over yet. I love that. All right, sweet. Then go after it, right? <laughs> but, but when you get the picture, the illustrated picture, it's like a hunter that is chasing down its prey. That's, that, that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, listen, I press on. Man, I, I want to I obtain it. I'm going after it. I, I am pressing on so that I may lay hold. I'm chasing it down. Lay hold is another aggressive word. It means to seize tightly. That I won't let go. When you lay hold of something, it is that seized grip. This is what this means. Like, like Paul is like, like when I mean like this is his pregame, like he's using some serious in-your-face language like, hey, hey, come on, team. Let's go. You need to work at this. This is what we need to work towards. And we are going to be aggressive in our pursuit of this. Like that's pregame coach speech. Like, hey, we know what we've been doing. We know that we're working on it. We've got to press in and we're going after what? We're going after victory. This is where Paul is. He's speaking about victory. He's speaking about laying a hold. He's speaking about seizing. And this is, he's speaking of a Christ-likeness. Like, hey, we need to be mature. We need to put Jesus in the center of our attention. Like when, watch this now, when there have been distractions or any season of life, as we started this service with so beautifully, like wherever you're at, is Jesus your go-to? Is Jesus the center of our attention? Are we chasing it down to be like Christ? To put Jesus in the middle? To let him be your advice? To get into the word of God that it would be your counsel? Allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you in such a way by his word that redirects and realigns and gets you back on target. And Paul's like, I haven't got all there yet, but I'm working on a church. We need to be in the right direction. Because a distraction can come in and get you off course. Come on, turn with me, please. First Corinthians chapter nine. First Corinthians chapter nine. I want you to see this. Come on, there's a lot that Paul writes in his writing. 
inspired by the Holy Spirit, he speaks of like athletic events. When he's speaking about pressing and laying hold of, like he's speaking in a sense of, of athletics and he's speaking in a sense of, of what it is to win a race. And he, and he talks to this in 1 Corinthians. And, and, I, and I, want you, I want you to see this, please. Look with me with great care as we look through this because when Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, right, and then he goes and, and, and speaks this to the, to the Philippians, like Paul knows athletics. Paul knows what it takes to train. And, and this is what he says. Verse 23, it says this. I do all things for the sake of the gospel. Jesus centered. Jesus was the center of Paul's attention. What he thinks, what he says, what he does, it's about Jesus. And I love what he says. I do all things for the sake of the gospel. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. The more I'm working in it and do all things for it, the more I'm becoming a fellow partaker of it. And then he says this. This is how he says this. Do you not know, verse 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Now listen, he is speaking this in competition terms. Now he's not saying there's one Christian that's going to win all the prize. That's, that's not what he's saying. Like, we, please hear me. We are not in competition in this spiritual race against one another. He's like, he's equating this to the spiritual life. He's equating this to those who are pursuing the gospel. He's equating this to those who want to walk in maturity. Like you need to realize that you're in a competition and there can be distractions. Do you not know? He says this, do you not know that all run in a race, all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Man, run in such a way that you are focused on victory. Run in such a way that you know what it is to be driven. You know what it is to have endurance. You know what that prize is. You know what that victory is. And he says, run in such a way that you want to attain that. Working on it. I'm going for it. I'm driven to run in such a way. Then I love this because it takes training, right? This is what he says. He says, for everyone who competes in the games, exercises self-control in all things. Like you exercise self-control and all things. Like there's discipline to this race. The athlete who is training is self-disciplined, right? It's it's amazing story. This is great. We had you know the night before Thanksgiving. True story. The night before Thanksgiving, my man Ethan had a friend. He spent the night Wednesday night after our big service. It was a great service. Ethan had a friend spent the night, and then some other people came over to the house. Some of their friends is Wednesday night, and they started talking about we want to run this race in the morning. It's that turkey run, like. 3K, 5, I don't do Ks. So whatever it is, it's a K, right? And if there's a K after it, I ain't running it. So it's like, it's like, it's amazing. So they get up, 8 a.m., right? 8 a.m., there's two, two young ladies who come to the house. They're all ready to go do this turkey run, three miles, something like that, 5K. I don't, again, I don't know, Ks. And true story, like, Renee gets out of bed and says, Sean, I think we should run in this. I'm like, running what? Like, no, this will be great. We'll go and we'll run with them and we'll be in this. I mean, honey, there's a K after this, which means distance. I don't even know what distance this is, but Renee, I ain't ran. Uh, I, I, I walked the trail a few times this year. Thought I was getting in shape. It's like, hey, you walked a couple times in the summer. Like, no, this, this thing. And my brother, she, she could have ran it. She's in great shape. And she'd been like, no, come on. I think we should run this thing. I'm like, honey, listen, listen. These, these, these teenagers just, you know, if I am with them, I know that I'm going to have to run. 
Like if I start to walk, like, and they're running, like, I, I'm not going to fake an injury. Like at that point, you're like, oh, you guys go ahead. You guys go ahead and run. They'd be like, Sean, it hasn't even started yet. I know, but I got out of the car and it just, something happened in the car. I promise. Like this is, you guys just go ahead without me. Like, like when you understand Paul's like, no, it takes training. And he equates this to our spiritual life. Church, where's our discipline? Are we disciplined or are we distracted? Are we disciplined or are we distracted? Because this is Paul is like, listen, listen, listen. You are in a race. Church, please hear me. Every single one of us who are born again, we entered the race. It's salvation. You're in it. It's a matter of whether you're being disciplined in it. It's a matter even if you even recognize that when you truly got saved and you're born again, that was the beginning of this race and you're in there. Whether you like it or not, you're in the race. You're there. And we have to be spiritually trained for this race. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Then they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but an imperishable Therefore, I run in such a way. Here's his discipline. I run in such a way, not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but disciplined my body and made it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself would not be disqualified. He said, listen, when I run the race, I'm running for a prize. I'm running on purpose. I've disciplined my training. And again, this is, this is, he's equating physical to the spiritual. Church, I can be out of shape and be spiritually in shape. And I, I think it's important to be in shape. I joke about that. But I think it is important to be in shape, physically, spiritually, healthy, emotionally, physically, spiritually. But when you see what he's speaking here, he's not speaking about you and me go running a 5K. I, 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 I would make it. Like, okay, it's time to walk. Honey, it started here and we went around the corner. I said, no, nobody can see us. Now we can walk. This is amazing. Like, you know, this is like, that's where this would go. And Paul is like, no, man, you're in the race and it's a spiritual race and you need to train for it. And, and, and you need to be driven by this and it's going to take endurance and, and, and it's going to take hard work. And not, not you're working for salvation. I'm not saying that. I'm saying after you're saved, now I'm in it. Yeah, this was the before life. And now this is, this is now after, this is before Jesus. And now I have Jesus. So this is the after Jesus. Now I'm in the race and I need to spiritually discipline myself so I don't get distracted. Because I know that there's a prize. Because I know the hard work will pay off. And I want you to see this in 2 Timothy, please. I want you to see this in 2 Timothy. And this is, this is a great passage. And we'll get back to Philippians here in a minute. But, but when you see 2 Timothy, you've got, you've got, you've got he's writing this now that, that Paul is saying, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the fourth quarter. I, I know that it's coming to a close. And what I love about Believer's Chapel, we have those who are at, at, at at a mark of pregnancy, which we strongly, firmly believe that that is life in our womb and we will fight for that. So we have those who are pregnant and it counts as two in our attendance. People are like, how many people do you have? It all depends on how many pregnant people show up because we count them as two. In all reality, that is life in the womb. And we have that. And then we have those who are in the fourth quarter. We have those who are in overtime. Some of you, double OT in life, man. You're like, 
whoo, you're like right there. Like when you say Jesus could come anytime, it's like, I know, and I could go home anytime. It's, I'm like, I'm right on the edge of that double overtime. And it's like, this is, this is where Paul is in life. He's like, listen, I've come to that place of double overtime. And, and, and when, you, when you know that you're in the fight, when you know that you're in the spiritual game, when you know that you're pushing and you're driving and you're having this endurance and you know where you're at, like then we can end and close like Paul. And Paul's like, hey, hey, take my example. Paul's like, close like I'm closing, but in order to close like I'm closing, you gotta live like I lived. We've gotta get that. In order to take hold of what 2 Timothy is saying here, what Paul is saying here, he's like, listen, this is what I know, I'm here. But for me to be here, I had to be over here and I had to fight through and I had to drive through and I had to have endurance. And then he can say, this is why I can say what I can say at the end. And I want every single one of us to be able to say what Paul says here at the end. And I love it. It just simply says this. For I'm already being poured out. 2 Timothy 4 verse, verse 6. It says this. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. He's like, I get it. I'm ready. My time is closing. He knew that. And he says this. I love these words. For I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. He says, I fought the good fight. I have battled for that which is noble. I know what it was to fight. And again, he loved athletics. We see that in his writing. He talks about running the race. He talks about boxing. He understands what it takes in training. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. He's like, this is where I'm at. Again, church, I love where Paul even says, hey, be, take on the example that I've given and do as I have done. That's what Paul says. Right in Philippians 3, where we're going, he says, do what I've done. Some of people want to be an elite athlete and do what the elite athletes are doing, but they don't want to put in the work as the elite athletes. They don't want to do the work. They don't want to get up early. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to be in the gym for four hours shooting baskets to be a professional. Like, they just want to be a professional without the work. It's never going to work. Paul's like, I fought the good fight. He says, I've finished the course. My, my journey's coming to a close. He knows it. I love this. He says, and I have kept the faith. I have put Jesus in the center of my attention and I have kept the faith. Faith means forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. Man, I just felt strongly earlier in this service, like, like where are you in, in your season of life? Man, are you going through? Are you heavy, weird? Wearied? Are you, are you burdened? Is there so much junk on your plate? Don't forget. It's, it's, it's okay. Don't forget this, man. It's okay to struggle. But what you do and where you put your attention in the struggle makes all the difference. He's like, listen, I fought Listen, I know where I was. I know where I'm at now and I've fought, I've held on to my faith. I have trusted him in every direction. And then he says this, I want you to get it. 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I've kept the faith. He's like, I have lived without regret since coming to my Lord. I set a course. I've self-disciplined. I've trained like an athlete spiritually. And I don't have a regret. I love the quote, to live a life with no regrets is the life that needs no more time. To live a life with no regrets is a life that needs no more time. This is where he's at. Church, please hear me. You hear me say it often. What is it? And Paul is driving this point to live for your leaving. Know that there is a day either Jesus will return or we're going home to Jesus. Whatever that is, man, I want to live for my leaving. I want to live for that moment. Whether it's me going to him, I'm a, I'm a believer in the rapture, or him coming to take me. And whatever your opinion on eschatology is, every single person with every different opinion on eschatology that has a nucleus of Jesus believes three things. Guaranteed, Jesus is coming back. Wherever you put on that timeline, that's a promise. Jesus is coming back. Jesus tells us, be ready for my return. Jesus tells us to get other people ready for my return. I don't care where you fall on the eschatology time scale. These three things, every single believer on all different opinions of eschatology believe these three things. We know that Jesus is coming. We're called to be ready and we're called to get other people ready. And Paul is driven to this point going, listen, I'm at the end. And this, I love this. Church, have you thought what you have to look forward to? Watch this. Verse 7, he says this, I fought the good fight, finished the course. I've kept the faith. Here it is. This is what he looks forward to for in the future. This, this is this is that hope. Church, this is that hope. I want you to get this, please. Oh, I love it. For in the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And when he talks about a crown, he's speaking to a people who understand athletic events. That there would be a crown when he says, all run, but there's one winner. He understands. Man, we, we, we go after this and we pursue this. For that one, and, and he's speaking now to, to the crowd here, and, and he says, listen, there is this crown, and it's made like they made the crowns out of like, like vines and beautiful greenery, and, and it would be this, this thing where you train so hard in these athletic events. You work so hard, but there was one winner in the race, and in front of everybody, that the king would come out and put a crown on the winner's head. And it was this beautiful thing of value, this beautiful thing of being honored among everyone else. This is that picture. I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Church, I want you to see this, please. Man, if you are in a place this morning where you are struggling, if you're in a place this morning where you need to be realigned, if you're in a season 
where there truly is this heaviness. If you're, if you're in, in this struggling place, I want you to see what, what Paul is saying. Listen, this is what I know. And I love that this is, this is what keeps me going. This is what keeps me striving to be like Christ. This is what keeps me striving in my surrender, in my drive that I'm free from sin, in my drive to know him and to be mature in him and to grow in him. This is what keeps me going because there's a day. And he says, I know that there's a day and this is what builds great hope that I will receive a crown of righteousness. And watch this picture, which the Lord, the righteous judge will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus Christ, who is our king. He is the very one who will one day for those who finish for those who are looking for his appearing in any way you see it. We look for his coming. Because get this picture, Corn, it's worth the fight. Because there's this picture that there's a day that Jesus himself, my king, my master, my Lord, and my savior is come put a wreath on my head as a crown of righteousness. And this crown of righteousness means a crown because I've done what was right. There's five different crowns that we will receive. It's a crown of righteousness, the crown that is imperishable, right? There's a crown of rejoicing, a crown of life, and a crown of glory. These are the five crowns that the scripture gives, that there will be a day that we will receive these crowns from the very one that we've received as Savior. That should keep you going. That should keep you driven. Come on real quick, back to Philippians 3. We'll close out with this. I want you to see it because he, he speaks of something here that is so valuable and it's so important. With, with what it is to press on and with what it is to lay hold, what it is to really to be aggressive in the pursuit, what it is to be aggressive in the taking hold and seizing. He says, listen, listen, listen. There can be a distraction out of all the distractions that he gives, that he could give. He says, there's one. There's one thing that I do, he says. Don't miss this. When you see one thing in scripture, bad, dial into it, right? Like zero in on this and focus. And, and Paul is saying, listen, listen, stay focused. Don't lose sight. Don't get distracted. Church, what happens when you have a light beam? Like we have great lighting in this church, pumped about our light loving our manger. It's incredible. And it's soft and it's warm and it's nice and it's comfortable. It doesn't hurt anybody. But what happens when you laser beam a light with such intensity? Church, a laser beam light can cut glass when it's that dialed in. And he's like, listen, don't lose focus. Don't get distracted. Watch what Paul says, man. When Paul says the one thing, church, dial into this because it's a big deal. The man who's given us half the New Testament, it's a big deal that he's writing this and says the one thing. Yet, brethren, do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but the one thing, but the one thing, but the one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to lies ahead. I, I have to forget my past. Man, I, I have to get, forget the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like, he lived the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was where Paul lived. 
We went over his resume, his world resume and his spiritual resume last week. Like, like this is what he went over. He's like, listen, I had it all. I did. I was of the greatest tribe. I was of the greatest race. I was of the greatest people. I was the Pharisee. I went. He just goes down this list of who he was. But in, in all of that, he realized, no, in all of who I was, I was so desperately wrong. I hurt people. I murdered people. I destroyed husbands and wives. I destroyed family. I was a family wrecking ball. I pulled husbands and wives out of their homes. I separated them from their children. Like, could you imagine Paul going, I have to forget everything that I've done. Church, Paul was a murderer of people who love Jesus. Paul destroyed families. He destroyed children's lives that they're never going to see their parents again. Like, when Paul says, I have to get over this, that was then. And this is now. When he says the one thing, this is the distraction that, that will cause you to get misguided is if you put so much or if you put any weight in yesterday. He says, the one thing that I do, I, f- I have to, I have to forget what's behind because that was then. And this is now. And I have to reach forward to what's ahead. Church, if you let it, please don't want this to encourage you, man. I want, to, I want you to get this. If you let it, your past will be your greatest distraction for your future. If you're living in the rearview mirror, you are headed for a crash. You cannot drive your car looking in the rearview mirror. You will crash. So many people live their life in the rearview mirror and they cannot get past their past. it is a distraction to your future. This is what Paul says. If Paul can get past his past, and again, remember, people came against Paul. He was whipped. He was, he was stoned. He was left for dead. He was betrayed. He knew what it was to be alone. He knew what it was to be, to be left betrayed by all of his closest. Like, yeah, he had the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he also has to, to not be dwelling on all of the the hurt and the pain of those who loved him, of those he loved. Now I'm reaching forward. Your greatest distraction of what it is to reach forward is because you can't get past your past. This is what Paul says. But the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Set your mind on eternal things. Reach forward to what's ahead. And don't let your past that you are forgiven from. Don't let those who hurt you in the past still hurt you today emotionally, mentally because you need to reach forward 
to what is ahead. If we could stand to our feet, please. If anybody needs prayer, truly for any reason. Man, we want to pray for you this morning. If you need prayer for any reason, man, we'll have a prayer team up here as we begin to sing and we close in a song. If you need prayer for any reason, man, we would love to pray with you. Man, don't forget tonight. Tonight is seek. It's going to be a powerful, powerful night of baptism. Powerful night in the Word. Powerful night in prayer. We're going to give God the month of December. We're going to believe that God is going to do miraculous work here at this church this month. We are trusting God to move powerfully. To move powerfully this month. And when we're all done, uh, Danny Gonska, if you could get a crew and just fold them up as you do, man, I appreciate you, bro. But come on, let's just bow our heads. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for communion. We thank you for worship. Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you've spoke to every one of us by your word. And God, if there's anyone here who's been distracted, today was a day of, of refocusing. Today was a day of realignment. We put our hope in you. God, I believe that the way to get past the past is to look forward to the future and work towards it. God, if there are any who are stuck in yesterday, God, I pray that they are able to move forward by moving forward, by reaching forward to the things that are to come. And I pray over every person that hears this word, that God, they would not be distracted, but they would finish well. If anyone needs prayer for any reason, man, we would love to pray for you. Come on, let's close in a song, please.